listeners, you're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And wow, um, gosh, so much has happened this past week. Mm. Um, And so Sarah and I were thinking that we would devote this episode to um, the Black Lives Matter protests and particularly how theaters are responding to this moment and and what theaters could do in a moment like this. Um, and yeah, we, we want to hear your thoughts as well. And, and this is going to be an ongoing conversation. So um, this, this will be the first probably of several episodes, I guess, over the next however long that we explore this question, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so I think what I've noticed initially when uh, the protests started were that theaters were kind of coming out and releasing these statements. Yeah. Uh, saying they're standing in solidarity and it's interesting from that moment that first action of those first letters of solidarity and how much is evolved since then um which we'll be talking about and uh sharing with you all um and yeah i mean uh it's it's just been really an emotional ride for sure and I'm yeah. sure a lot of people are starting to feel really overwhelmed with what can I do? You know, what more can I do? Or um, people who are probably feeling like they – because here's the thing. As this protest is going, we still are in a health crisis. So people are still – there are people out there that are still afraid to leave their home. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just still a lot going on in our country. And uh, I – yeah, I'm just trying to get through this <laughs> uh, emotionally. Um, how are you feeling, Sam? Yeah, about the same. I mean, I think um, it's it's been really strange for me to be in Maine <laughs> during mm-hmm. this moment in rural Maine. Um, you know, as somebody who grew up in D.C. and, you know, just like uh kind of and to kind of watch the protests from a distance is Mm. really weird um I really really wish I was in DC right now Mm. um I think it's a heavy time in in many many ways and so I've been like you know looking for ways to support from Mm -hmm. from afar Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the benefits of this movement happening during our lifetime, during this whole internet age. Like, I do feel like there is, even though at times we do feel helpless, there are things we could do from home. Like, we we could continue to write emails. We could continue to call um, your representatives. You could, there's just so much you could still do from home. Yeah, that's Um, so true that and also i think as much as i hate social media but i think it is a really fast maybe too fast but still fast way of sharing information of like especially when they use that hashtag back lives matter you do see like oh this is what's currently happening right now in this moment uh at the protest even you know like so that you're kind of seeing um in action so yeah, and I think it's so true, and it's really, you know, we were just talking about how terrible social media is, but also <laughs> social media is what allowed the about so many people mm-hmm. to see what happened to George Floyd when he was killed, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I do think that um, there's something about this moment that, that feels different and and I'm not exactly sure why that is but I think social media is a part of it I mean of course we had social media for the last like 10 years um 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of wonder, do you think there's something about being in the middle of this pandemic that has made the protests bigger and different in a way than I happened in the past? I think so. I think so. I mean, when pandemic started, there was a whole data that was like more more than ever people are, are online. People are on their mm. computers, their tablets, their phones, yeah. um, streaming, Netflix, you know, they're just like everyone was on their devices. And so, and you know, it doesn't take much to get addicted to these devices, folks. <laughs> yeah. Once you're in, you're in. And so I do think that the pandemic kind of caught people in a way to be on their devices. And then when these videos and information about uh, these horrific deaths of black people started to uh, appear, it, it, I think it's just moved so much quicker and uh, the information just spread like wildfire. Yeah, that's so true. And, and people have been spending the last couple of months, like thinking really viscerally Mm-hmm. and and consistently about death you know and and about like oh, bodies yeah. you know and and the safety of bodies in a public space i think white people in particular have been thinking about that mm-hmm. in a way that they're not used to and everybody has been starved of human connection um mm-hmm. and we you know, many people have a lot more time on their hands to just reflect. And and so I think maybe all of these things have come together in a new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just thought, yeah, when you said more time in your hands, like, yeah, uh, literally their uh, unemployment is higher than ever before. Uh, people do have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right, because I think everyone – Yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah. No, I was just, you know, I think that people that are, um, yeah, I do think the pandemic just really opened our eyes, like how much we need security, how much we need, uh, there's just so many people left behind that, Mm -hmm. and they really are the, the, just, uh, I don't even have words. You could go ahead. <laughs> well, I, one of the things I've been seeing uh, discussed a lot is how this country was so unprepared to mm. keep people alive, keep sick people alive. I mean, like the way in which hospitals have been starved of money for decades was really thrown into sharp relief. I mean, it. And and we spent a couple of months just kind of finding out exactly how ill-equipped the U.S. was to handle this pandemic. And then to see police departments across this country come out in force with, you know, riot gear and tanks and chemical weapons, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. was just so... The, the difference was so stark and and the money that has been put towards policing people was so apparent in a way, you know, in contrast to nurses having to put garbage bags on their, over their scrubs. I mean, it just, so, yeah. 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 And I think I mentioned this to you on the show where I felt like the pandemic was this just this Band-Aid mm-hmm. that it was just covering up just everything that's wrong with every institution, every industry, every just thing that's in our country, just how messed up and how flawed and it is. And this pandemic just like ripped it right open. Mm-hmm. And and I'm – I – even though it's so hard right now, I really, really, really hope and pray that this is the moment that just is a turning point in our country, like a major one. Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm just really hoping something. Too. I don't. I really don't want to like. Ten years from now, nothing has changed. Still the same. Uh, more money is hemorrhaging into the police departments. You know, <laughs> just like nothing has changed. Well, uh, the thing that makes her. me think that it could be a turning point is that we all saw in March how quickly a society can change how it functions at every level, right? I mean, like right. people, it seemed like overnight people stopped flying and stopped driving and completely changed the way that they worked, you know, and, and changed the way that they ate and changed the way that they communicated with their loved ones. I mean, everything changed. Mm-hmm. Um, Supreme Court hearings moved online. And it was just like from you know, throughout all levels of the society. And so and so it does tell us something about how um how a society can adapt very, very quickly when when I was gonna say when everyone gets on board, but not even everyone got on board. <laughs> like really only yeah. about half the country even right. agreed it needed to be done. Um, there's still plenty of people out there who don't believe in the coronavirus. Um, but, but it does suggest that, you know, when we all, or when many, when most of us agree we need to change, then it can happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Sarah... Yes, Sam. <laughs> uh, I ha- So here's my question for you. Um, how, so, so all these statements that theaters are putting out, and some of them I think were really quick to release statements of solidarity, mm-hmm. and other ones released them after, you know, people saying, where's your statement? Um, but regardless of how that happened. What do you think about these solidarity statements from theaters? Do you think they're meaningful? Do you think they're just um, gestures? Yeah. So the ones that I found really meaningful were theaters that um, not only shared where they stand in the movement, but also what their donors or where – what their audience could do to help with the movement. So there was um, one particular newsletter that I received. I don't follow that many theaters, newsletters, <laughs> just saying out there. I follow their Instagram. I follow their tweets. Uh, but the newsletter, it's like a whole other step. But um, so uh, from Fountain Theater in LA, they send out these usually newsletters and they talked about their programming. And But in this letter, they sent out links to organizations that need donations or support. Like actual, like you click on it, it directly takes you to Black Lives Matter or to um, the donations uh, or to families that uh, were affected by um, police violence. So, mm-hmm. so and, ex- and also explaining their thing. So that's helpful, right? Because like if you're on your phone, you open that newsletter, you're like, cool. It's one thing to just say all these words, but then to add those uh, helpful, useful links. And, you know, depending on the size of the theater, like I, I'm sure found theater is a pretty like decent size, has a pretty good following in LA. Mm-hmm. So it could reach, have a good, pretty good reach to people that were probably had uh, no interest in the movement, but they see like, oh, this theater that I actually like and follow, they're taking a stance on this. So maybe I'll look into this or, you know, it could open um, eyes to uh, people who just had no regard for it. Um, so, yeah, so that's an interesting things I'm noticing in the newsletter to utilize. Um, and do you think that could actually change the way people who are otherwise unengaged and don't consider themselves activists but are sympathetic but like but kind of um on the sidelines do you think that kind of email could get people like that to engage in a new way yes and no i i want to say yes 
especially especially if your audience are you know been really loyal to mm. the theater and uh they stand by the theater and they've you know been going to your specific theater for a long time um i think i could see and i could see people like that having some change i think i think maybe the fear sometimes for theaters when they release is like i don't want to also lose people like i don't want what if there are people we're gonna lose uh but i'm like "Mm, i don't know do you want those people (laughs) right exactly yeah right and Uh, i think Yeah, I often get the sense that theaters are trying to walk this fine line between like holding on to hold hold, keeping their more, um, you know, progressive leftist, whatever you want to call them, patrons, and also keeping their more conservative patrons. And like, Mm -hmm. at a certain point, you just have to ask, you know, are you going to keep walking a tightrope or are you going to take a stand and let people decide whether or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I say this as somebody who, you know, has never run a theater. So maybe I'm kind of missing the point here, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Cause it could be hypothetically, you know, those uh, traditional patrons are like conservative maybe they're more wealthier <laughs> those are the ones that actually <laughs> right. uh keep your theater alive and you don't want to lose those people um but i feel like if you really think clearly about the messaging and really i don't know i i think there are ways that your messaging could be convincing to open hearts and minds right <laughs> about the cause um, and it's more, and then like, don't copy and paste <laughs> just like from your theater. Like what is this theater? Uh, how is this theater going to be different from other theaters in that sense of, um, but yeah, I just think, I, I think, I don't know. Right. It's like every day, something new, something is changing and it's rap It's quick. Like, how do you keep up with everything that yeah that's happened because you you might release a statement and that statement is just mute like moot it's just like didn't didn't mean anything at all because a week later it has completely changed the world has changed again mm-hmm. um so i don't know yeah so i want to talk about this open your lobby initiative hashtag open your lobby initiative um which Yeah, speaking of really, really quick, this was something that just took off in the last maybe four or five days, I think. Um, And the, the, I don't know, founders or initiators of this campaign wish to remain anonymous, um, but they released a press statement, which I'm going to read here, um, calling on theaters to show up in a, in a tangible way rather than just, you know, releasing these statements. So, okay. So here's the press statement. We are a loose coalition of young theater artists, administrators, and organizers. We started the account because we were in the streets. We realized there was a need for this and we wanted to call upon theaters that release statements expressing their values to actually live up to them. To start, they can open their lobbies and offer tangible assistance to people on the ground doing the real labor of resistance and liberation. We also challenge those who cannot support with physical space to continue finding alternative ways to support the Black Lives Matter movement by donating money, connecting with jail support initiatives, and hiring more Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color without tokenizing their voices. Um, So I think the first theater that did this was New York Theater Workshop. I'm not 100% sure about that, but that's the first one I saw. And really, like within a couple of days, uh, they now have over 50 theaters around the country that are participating. Wow. And, um, and, and what I've seen is that theaters are... Um, you know, not requiring, because of COVID, they're not requiring any staff or employees to do this, but just inviting people to volunteer. 
um, and collecting donations of water bottles and snacks and face masks and um, hand sanitizer and making their, you know, power outlets and bathrooms and water fountains and, you know, in D.C., air conditioning (laughs) Uh, because it was super hot the past couple of days. Um, available to protesters and are doing it in a way that allows for social distancing. So some, some of them are, you know, capping the space at, depending on how big they are, like two people at a time or 10 people at a time or 20 people at a time. Um, But I just think this is so, so exciting. Yeah. Uh, I think this, I mean, I'm looking at the list and listeners, I'll make sure to put this in our description notes, but it's it's really cool to see uh, how many theaters across the country participate in this. And maybe more, maybe more will participate. Um, yeah, this is, wow. Uh, it seems like there are more every day, yeah, that are, that are getting involved. I think it started in New York. Um, so I think there are like 30 theaters in New York that are doing it. Um, but already in DC, you know, the, many of the big theaters like arena stage and Willie Mammoth and the studio theater, Shakespeare theater are doing it. And then, yeah, go ahead. I'm just, I'm just curious if there's any theaters, uh, I'm sure, of course, they'll never say it, but who were just like, down like, oh, no, we'll never do this. Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, so I actually started commenting on theaters' uh, statements on Instagram, asking if they would open their lobby. Mm-hmm. And I did hear back a couple of no's, but they weren't like, no, of course, they were not like, no, we don't support the protesters. They were like, no, we can't do this because of the pandemic. Um, you know, I think, you know, but it it does kind of beg the question, what does it mean to say we support the protesters mm. in words only? Maybe that's too harsh of me. I don't know. Is that too harsh of me? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Okay, so so here's one thing I thought was cool. Um, Classic Stage Company, which is in, I believe, in Manhattan, um, said that they they support Open Your Lobby, but because of their uh, lobby and the pandemic, they can't do this in the way that other theaters are doing it. So instead, they partnered with an espresso cafe that's, I don't know, right next door or downstairs or something. And, 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 you know, it's kind of teamed up with them to mm-hmm. offer masks and gloves and resources for protesters that way. So. Yeah. That's, I like that. Like, I like that they knew their kind of, um, the limitations, but they were like, but we'll they figure. didn't like, stop there. They yeah, stop exactly. There. Right. They didn't stop. They weren't there. like, no, it's too hard. Mm-hmm. We can't do it. Yeah. And then I also wanted to say uh, this uh, Mabu Mines, which New York listeners, I'm sorry, I, I've, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and I couldn't find out because they have devoted their entire website right now to just posting links to support black lives and black artists. And so if you go to their homepage, there's literally nothing about the theater company right now. It's only links to reclaim the block and black visions collective and Minnesota freedom fund. And, and, and so I think that is a really cool way to say, you know, this moment is not about us. I think, Mm. you know, some theaters are like, we're going to tell you why we matter in this moment. And then other theaters are really saying, this moment is not a moment to be, you know, talking about ourselves, but Trying rather. To capitalize it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would lobby that accusation <laughs> against, <laughs> against everybody, but, but this is, I think this is a really um, thoughtful response to just say, 
you know what? We do not need to be talking about our mm-hmm. theater company right now. We just want everyone who comes to our website to go to these organizations. Right. And I'll like how I said about messaging, like it, it is interesting how as first initial theaters respond, uh, uh, let's say first wave of theaters responding mm-hmm. and that messaging and then how that messaging is evolving as time changes and as theaters releasing statements or whatever, you could sort of see some notice of um, like, it's like they're like watching the world carefully, <laughs> like what's going on right now. Uh, that makes sense. But I think it mm-hmm. is by putting the focus on black lives. Um, I, I think it's, it's so important, especially theater. If you think about theater, it's like, it's what is theater, right? It's, it's about people. Like it's literally mm-hmm. where people, bodies of people come to a space. We all like work together. We collaborate. We share stories. It's like, we put human stories at the center almost always always uh, yeah so to come together a community of theaters to say we are um joining and joining humanity in this in this fight like because i think I, I don't know it's a very it's powerful moment when a when theaters can do that right now yeah yeah i agree and and i do think there's a there's that theaters have a role to play it here mm-hmm. but I think okay just to return to the because you were talking earlier about how social media moves really quickly and yeah. um and how theaters are kind of watching everybody else to see what they should say which reminded me of a moment I had earlier in the week where I'm not going to name any theaters or names here because I I think that's kind of beside the point, but I saw a theater make a post about a, like quoting a particular play. I don't, I don't want to get really specific, but they're quoting a play uh, by a black playwright and, and it was, it just seemed a little um, tone deaf to me. It, It seemed like, a, a really strange moment to highlight from this particular play in this particular moment. And I almost responded critically to this post on Instagram. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should just like dig a little deeper, you know? And I went to the theater's homepage and I looked at who the marketing person is. And I discovered that this, the person in charge of marketing is a college student and a person of color um, and then I, I, I was like, Sam, like, there's no need for you to criticize this post in this moment. And it, it and I was kind of, um, I, I was kind of ashamed of, of how quick I had been to want to criticize mm-hmm. an Instagram post when there's, they're like way more impactful things I could be doing mm. well Sam I'm I applaud your self-control <laughs> <laughs> truly truly that's uh, not what I'm saying I just I you know I just I think it's like it's so it is a really fast moving medium it really is it really is it's so easy for us to get focused on the wrong things mm-hmm. um yeah. And I think we're all we all are really concerned right now with how we look to other people. And that's that's just like the the not the important thing right now. Mhm. I mean, real quickly, the whole blackout Tuesday. That <laughs> Yeah, case in I, point. I mean, that was a true debacle. <laughs> It, but it's it, you know it just it's because it went so fast and everybody was like oh this is the thing I'm supposed to be doing right now yeah I partly ugh, I don't want to name names or anything I I honestly do blame uh influencers over twelve hundred or like whatever 
thousands of people they they follow because they like because I first I I first saw those posts from an influencer that I followed and I was like I've never heard of this I never known it but I was just like but I was just like saw it and I was like oh it's a personal art solidarity like oh you know it's like very it's a a quick easy thing and I see bunch of my friends started doing it before midnight and I was like oh what is this yeah okay. and I woke up and saw that you had done it and I was like oh Sarah's in the know <laughs> and then I did it and because you know I don't follow any influencers you're my influencer Sarah <laughs> so funny um but luckily you're <laughs> you're three hours ahead of me and then you you were able to get information that I didn't understand until when I woke up in the morning I'm like what the hell what happened over 12 hours like six hours since the post and so much happened and I was just like I, I was so annoyed not a, no not anyone like in particular but how easily when you're emotional and just yeah. and you're like the stakes are high in the moment and you're just like, oh, you're just, you're like, what can I do? And I want to do whatever I can do in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was so frustrating. And I think I, I reposted it because you we were like saying like the data, that the way the Instagram algorithm works and like you have to delete the post or repost it. And I, and then I think I said like, hey guys, maybe next time it should just be a white square and hashtag the haters. <laughs> and so they, like, so that maybe they don't have the information that's very, uh, that is just important right now for the black movement. You know, I was just like, you got, <laughs> I was just so annoyed. Like I, like, yeah. um, but honestly, the amount of time I spent on whatever day that was Tuesday or Wednesday, like reading, like trying to figure out who was behind this and reading like all the critique of the black squares was time I could have been, I could have spent like reading an essay by James Baldwin, you know, or like <laughs> researching places to donate. It was just like an, you know, time out of my life that I yeah. will never get back. It, and this happens yeah. over, and, 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 I mean, to, to a lesser degree, over and over again throughout the day mm-hmm. on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, influencers, celebrities, like they, <laughs> yeah, you guys all know your platform. <laughs> I don't think they're listening to us. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I feel like some of this is maybe for another conversation. Like we can, like we can continue having this conversation, but I'm curious about how playwrights and theater artists are responding to theaters in this moment too. Mm. So I wanted to just touch on that. We, we put out a poll on our, Instagram <laughs> stories um, asking people how they think theater should be responding in this moment. And um, there, you know, there a couple people said the open your lobby initiative is a good, a good example. Um, and, but it did kind of uh, open another conversation about uh, there have been some open letters to theaters in the past few days detailing um, incidents of racism that artists experienced while working with them. Um, and so I guess I'm, I'm wondering what you think about that, Sarah, like what, and I, I know it, it's like super messy right now and complicated and like, you don't, you, I mean, you can just be like, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I think, but mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just such an yeah. interesting moment. So are you asking? Um, I guess what I'm asking is in this moment, what do you think about all these open letters coming out? Like as, so theaters are responding to the moment and also theaters are directly responding to people who've said, where's your, you know, solidarity mm-hmm. statement. And then people are responding to theaters, you know, and saying, oh, well, 
you put out the solidarity statement, but you're not opening your lobby or you put out the solidarity statement, but it doesn't line up with my experience working with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. What do you think um, about that? <laughs> I mean, I do, here's what I just don't want it to be is a witch hunt, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it feels like like it is an important time for theaters to really reexamine themselves, uh, their their treatment of artists, their um, internally uh, internal management. Just thinking about, I, th- I think I saw a note. I noticed some, um, not theaters but businesses really seeing kind of like this is the makeup of our company, like. Four years ago, it was predominantly white, but we tried to change that today, like in the last year or so. And now it's the makeup of this. Like we want a uh, more diverse employee, like more uh, for management, upper management, not yeah. like executive mm-hmm. like to leadership. have leadership yeah. roles, right, mm-hmm. to be diverse. not. Um, and so that takes – that examination is important, I think, because – yeah, I mean, if you have a if you're a theater and you have a history of being a racist or in some way or whatever sexist or um, maybe you got some skeletons in your closet, um, I think it's it's gonna. I think it's just gonna come out <laughs> because especially if you're a long-standing theater, if you've been around um, and you've so. It's either um, being proactive and changing your philosophy and changing and moving forward, I think. Um, right. Yeah. And not just for appearance sake. Yeah. But. Yeah. Would you. Yeah. Would you. I'm curious, Sam. Like, would you follow um, a theater that recognizes their history recognizes their past and being like and this is what we wanted xyz to fix it like would you be more forgiving of that if they just really came out explicitly saying like saying those things i think so but but i also think that like i i'm not sure i would I guess I would look to how um, other artists, particularly black artists, were receiving that because I feel like mm-hmm. I'm not sure my read on that situation would be um, not that I can't like trust my own judgment, but that I'm aware I might have blind spots, um, and and so. In a, in a kind of abstract hypothetical situation, it's, it's hard for me to say. But I do think yeah. it's really important for theaters to reckon with their history um, and say how they are going to, you know, do better or be. Mm-hmm. But I, gosh, I do think that, you know, people are really having a really hard time right now especially theater artists. I mean, it, it was already a really difficult moment and there's no theater, there's no live theater right now. <laughs> and I, I do think that people are looking to these institutions to lead us in a way that feels justified. You know, we, mm-hmm. th- these theaters... For so many of us, these are spaces that should be our homes and our beacons of light and our, you know, spaces of both refuge and, um, like, growth, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so it, it I completely understand the criticism that... Um, 
in a moment when the pandemic has shuttered all these theaters and a lot of people are really, really hurting and, and, you know, afraid that it, that for theaters to be silent in this moment, um, Mm -hmm. just, it just, you know, it adds to the fact that they're closed and kind of, I don't know. I feel like I'm just grasping at words, but mm-hmm. um, theater people really miss theater <laughs> right now. Yeah, they we really miss it, and mm. um, our and our our lives have been upended by not being able to go to the theater. Yeah, and so maybe you know, so taking these grievances directly to our theaters, it it makes sense in a way, even if even if the theaters, you know. Not to say that they don't, like, 100% deserve this criticism, but, like, I think they've become the place to take the criticism. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. There's a lot to think about. I feel like I'm I'm just constantly thinking. (laughs) My brain! Um, Yeah. I don't know. Listeners, we want to know what you think. Yeah, we do. What's um, the role for theaters in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> what is this role? What, what is this time? What is happening? Um, I'm... Uh... I don't know. I don't want to move on to glistens because mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much to say. But at the same time, I I don't honestly don't know what more to say. Um. Yeah. Well, I think we can just sit in that space of not knowing what to say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut this pause out. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> do you as okay, here's a question for you before we go to glistens. As a playwright, mm-hmm. do you feel at all moved to write about this moment? I I think yes. I not not like not like specific like in a black experience cuz like but uh I'm more moved to write right now and I think it's cuz I'm just so angry and frustrated um that yeah. that like I'm I'm, I think the, the stories I'm thinking or, like, ideas that I'm thinking right now that's just kind of churning in my head are, like, how did we get here? Why did we get here? And the que- that's the question I want to, like, answer in my mind. Like, and... You and, mean, like, as a country or as a people or... Well, I think just all, like, I'm not sure, but it's just yeah. looking at this moment, like, what happened? Like, how did we get here why did we get here and and what are the stories that I want to say that says like I don't know let's let's freaking fix this mess <laughs> um and who knows like maybe yeah maybe it's like uh the it, it maybe it will involve a black american experience i don't know i just don't know but it's just the this bigger question of like what freaking happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) um like what and yeah these are just questions that are happening in my head but uh like we as progressive liberal democrats or you know whatever you like to call it on the left or whatever um what did we do wrong Mm. And 
so those are just kind of questions that it's I'm constantly thinking about um, daily now. Before I was thinking about these things, but now it's just like it's the first thought that comes to my mind always. Like, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> what's so wrong? Everything is just so wrong. Um, and when you say what did we do wrong, do you are you wondering like like what we should have done or could have done differently, like a year ago or like fifty years ago? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or yeah. all of it. I I it. And it feels like it's all of it. Like, I think it just, were there moments in history that could have, and, and and the thing is, it's like, no matter maybe what the story I write about, this question is just going to be like eating at me. No matter what, if, even if it's a story about, um, I don't know, the first woman who, made the first wedding gown dress. I don't care. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just like it I I can't help but think about these questions as I'm going to write no matter what that story is. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Like it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to explain, but Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. It's it's so affected our lives that um by the day I die I'm just going to constantly think about this moment 2020. The year 2020. that just <laughs> That's the year. Um, who what knows? What a year. What a year. Well, I think we should move to Glistens. And listeners, we want to hear from you as well. What's your Glistens, Sarah? Well, I think my Glisten is considering everything that is happening. And if you're like me, do you feel... Like you want to keep doing more and more and more. <laughs> There's like really nothing you can do, uh, but you want to do more. Uh, very important date is the November election that's coming this year. Mm. It's, I think we, we cannot have Trump for another four years. We just can not because <laughs> I think if we do, we will never come out of this. As a, like there, We're not another four years chance. of this. Yeah. No, we're, we're not. I think we're this really is our not. last so, chance. <laughs> this, it really is. And I the stakes have never been so much higher. Um, and yeah. so one of the things I want to share is, uh, or it is the thing I want to share, <laughs> listen. Um, and I think I shared this to our group chat, um, but it's called Adopt a State. It's... Mm. Uh, it started, I think it started by Crooked Media. It's the guys who did the Pod Save America, um, the whole series of podcasts. And they did this whole thing where uh, you adopt a battleground state and you could do it from your home. Like, I'm in California, but I'm picking a battleground state that I could hopefully, instead of like canvassing the usual, because of one thing where it's a pandemic. Um, so, um, if you signed up now, I think there's like a four week. The first week already went by, but this is going to be the second week. There's a four week of kind of training mm -hmm. uh, where you, how do you approach? Because um, if you're like me, like an introvert, you just hate going up to people and talking to people about stuff. Or <laughs> like, but <laughs> but you know that right now this is such an important thing. Like, and you want to make this like you want this uh, change um, and not have present. Trump for another freaking four years. Um, this is, I think it's a really cool participation uh, thing to do where, yeah, you pick a state. I adopted Michigan because I have, you know, some personal connections because my fiance is from Michigan and his family's from Michigan. And so I was like, you know what? I don't know any other battleground states, Arizona, wherever. I, like I've never, Pennsylvania, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but Michigan, I've been there. I visited, been to, I know some uh, I know a little bit about Michigan, probably more than any other state. So, so I was like, okay, pick that state, and we did our first week training video. Uh, and yeah, it's cool. just it was really cool. I think we were so it was on Zoom. I I kind of came in late, so I didn't. I just saw the recording of it, but apparently there were ten thousand people on the Zoom call. Whoa, that's and, amazing. Yeah. And so I think that because they want to be able to be more accessible, they're going to make sure the recording goes live on YouTube as well for this week. 
so more people could see it and have access to it. So, yeah, check it out. Adopt a state. This okay. I think it's a cool thing. Yeah. All right. They can start doing right now. Um, that's awesome. Um, my glisten is I've been thinking a lot this week about Sandra Bland. Um and just kind of remembering that moment um when she died and and how incredible it was to see her in that video like stand up to the cop and know her rights and um to like just the courage that she showed and so anyway um I was remembering this week that she had uh, this video series called Sandy Speaks, um, where she would make these videos directly addressing people about, you know, issues that that she thought were important. And uh, I watched a couple of them. And yeah, I, it's, mm. it's so easy to forget um, people after a few years, especially because more and more people keep being killed. Um, but I think it's important to remember all the names. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my question. And I guess that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there.